It is week 16 of the year 2020, and this is Father Roderick to the Max. Hey, and welcome to this very first episode of a brand new podcast made just for you because you're a patron. And if you're wondering why it is that you're not a patron and you're still listening to this show, is that this very first episode is going out to all my podcast listeners because April the 5th was my birthday, and this is a little birthday present. So in this show, we're going to talk about food. I'm going to give you my favorite uh, uh, recipe of the week. It is beetroot salad with lentils, feta, and roasted salami and chicory. Um, Yeah, don't ask. It is very, very good. We're also going to talk about what happened this week in history 50 years ago. I will give you a review of a very cool Star Trek series on comicsology, and we'll talk uh, some tech. Uh, most specifically, I want to give you some tips on how to use eCam in conjunction with uh, a mobile phone that you can use as a wireless camera. It's a bit of a techie topic, but maybe it's useful to some of you. And then I'm going to give you a review of my recent adventures in virtual reality. I've been fishing, I've been walking, and I've been doing Tai Chi all in virtual reality. And then finally, to wrap things up, we're going to talk about board games, and I will give you uh, an in-depth review of the game Tang Garden that I discovered not so long ago actually right before the whole corona crisis started. This is my jingle for the food segment. And I'm actually glad that I have a show now where I can talk a little bit more about food. I used to have this as a fixed uh, staple ingredient of my regular podcast but uh, I kind of left it out because well I always run out of time but in uh, this episode of Father Roderick to the Max I want to give you a fantastic recipe that I've just discovered because of something that I've been doing ever since the corona crisis began now you know that uh, when you're in lockdown or semi-lockdown like here in the Netherlands we're encouraged to stay home, to not work uh, at the office, to work from home, to only go out when it's absolutely necessary. In some countries, you can only walk the dog or you can walk your kids, like in Italy now. Um, in some other countries, you're not even allowed to go out of your house unless you have uh, a proof that you need to go outside. For instance, to go to get some groceries. Um I don't, I, w- here in the Netherlands, it is a little bit more relaxed. Uh, we can go out. I can go out for a run, but I have to make sure that I keep my distance as much as possible. However, I don't want to go out. I want to stay at home as much as possible. So even if I have to go out for groceries to my local supermarket here on the other side of the street, I'm looking out from my window here, and I can just see the side of the bony supermarket I usually go there, I go in and out as quickly as possible because I don't like to walk around in a space where there are, well, sometimes 20, 25 other people. And as much as I try to avoid getting close to other people, not everyone does that. And sometimes you're just trying to reach an aisle and then someone walks up to you and sneezes or coughs and makes me extremely uncomfortable. So what I've been setting myself as a challenge is before I go to the supermarket, 
I want to see what I can do with what I have in store. So I'm trying to work my way through um, all my stocked food. I have a, a lot of stuff in 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 um, in cans. Uh, I have a refriger- refrigerator um, with a frozen department where I have a ton of ingredients. Um, and you know, I've been saving those ingredients for a rainy day. And now it's the time to start to cook with those ingredients. And what I did was I was looking at my fridge and I looked at the ingredients and thought, well, what can I do with these ingredients without having to go to the store? Because that's kind of my go-to thing is like whenever I want to cook, I go to the supermarket to get inspiration. Now I do the opposite. I'm thinking, okay, what do I have? What can I cook with this? And then maybe I'll go to the supermarket to get two or three more ingredients so that I can cook for a couple of days. And I had some really weird food in my refrigerator and in my cupboards uh, the other day. I had lentils. I love lentils. So I have a a ton of dried lentils. But I I didn't want to make lentil soup. That's basically the only thing that I've ever made with lentils is soup. And I was like, i got to do something more with that. And then I had beetroot. I have beetroot in glass jars. Um, I think I bought them when they were on sale a long time ago. And I'm not a fan of beetroot, to be honest. It is very pungent, very strong uh, taste. Um, it's very red. So if you spill it, it, it just immediately causes all sorts of stains. Um, and so, and, and you know, it, the beetroot is so such a dominant flavor that I have a hard time coming up with ideas on, you know, what do I do with it? So the, the basically the Dutch way of eating beetroot is just to heat it up and combine it with potatoes and a piece of meat. And it's like, ugh, that is the worst way to use beetroot. Beetroot can be very good in salads, but I just didn't know what to make that would make that would help the beetroot to just be like a supporting actor (laughs) instead of the main character of the show which is really difficult with beetroot and then i had uh some feta cheese some so some white cheese i still had um a sausage um a um salami sausage just dried sausage um there's also extremely i use that for my pizzas but I don't make any pizzas uh, nowadays because I don't have an oven. So I still have that salami sausage. What do I do with that? It's also something I didn't have many ideas on how to combine that. So I was looking around and I found this fantastic recipe for a lentil uh, beetroot salad with salami and uh, with, uh, what's the, oh, I don't know the word in English, um, chicory. I had also a few pieces of chicory. Also something I love to use in salad. I don't like to cook chicory. It's pretty nasty when you cook it because it gets all bitter and, and gray. But if you just cut it and use it in a salad, it can be good. So these are the ingre- ingredients for this beetroot salad with lentils, feta, roasted salami and chicory so what you do is you cut up the salami into little square blocks and you lightly roast them in a pan you don't have to add any oil because it's already very fatty of course but the if you roast it it gets a little bit crispy and nice 
Um, you can even throw in some nuts if you want to give it a little bit of a crunch, but it's not necessary. Then you cut a, you cut the chicory into. Usually, what I do is I take the 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 trunk of chicory and I make a cut in lengthwise, and then I cut it horizontally. So you get these small pieces of chicory. Um, you put these. That's kind of the main salad. Um, and then you add lentils. Of course, you have to first cook the lentils, and um, or you can just take lentils from a can. Make sure to wash them so you don't get that, you know, gluey uh, water that is usually, if you don't wash them, it is it, not good. So make sure you get rid of, you, you rinse the lentils. You take a few cups of those lentils, uh, and you add them to the chicory. You add the the, the pieces of roasted salami, um, and then you add beetroot, but not too much. Just and also the beetroot, you can also rinse that. If especially in my case, it came from uh, these glass jars, so it comes with this uh, sap almost, and it's very I don't know, very beetrooty. So I kind of wash the beetroot, so I only have these small uh, vertical you know sticks of beetroot throw them in, and then to top it off. And that really makes a big difference. So chicory, you can add a lot of chicory because it's it doesn't have much taste by itself. It's very healthy, but it helps to kind of uh, diversify the salad. It's If it's just beetroot with lentils, it gets very gloopy. Um, so the chicory is necessary. And then th- to top it off, you take uh, a bit of feta and you crumble it over the salad. You Hustle it, and that is the best summer salad that I've ever tasted. It is delicious. You can also add a little bit of mustard, just a, a spoonful of mustard, and, and it just gives it a little bit of a bite. Now, this is the basis. You can add so much more to this, but the combination of flavors is fantastic, and the beetroot really helps but it doesn't overpower the other ingredients. So that would be my um, my, my, my tip for, for today or my, my taste, uh, taste tip. And with that, it is time to move over to the world of history. This week in history. I like that jingle. <laughs> Um, this is going to be a, another uh, recurring ingredient of this new show, Father Roderick to the Max. We're going to look at this week in history. And I'm recording this on April 14. And exactly 50 years ago, a disaster happened in history. This was during the flight of Apollo 13. These guys were expected to land on the moon and have a great time walking around there and riding moon buggies and stuff. However, 50 years ago today, an, an oxy, oxygen tank exploded on the uh, one of the one, on part of the of the. They were still traveling towards uh, the moon, and and so they heard this explosion and at first didn't really know what happened, and then it's uh, it's only later that they realized that we have an oxygen tank that exploded and caused so much damage to their ship that they couldn't land on the moon and well you know the story by now it took everything 
that they had and the kitchen sink uh, at NASA to make sure that these astronauts could return safely to Earth, which actually was what happened. They made it happen. And it is a riveting story. It's fascinating. Um, and, uh, of course, the story itself is, is narrated in a fantastic way. In the movie starring Tom Hanks, among others, uh, called Apollo 13. If you've never seen that movie, whoa. This would be the day to go rewatch it because it is fantastic. And it's actually pretty well researched. Um, they did add some story elements, uh, but but most of what you see in that movie is based on the facts, and uh, it's it's very well filmed. Even though this is a movie that is already twenty years old or something like that, Ron Howard directed the movie. The same guy who saved uh, the solo movie from Oblivion. Um, so uh, there are a few interesting. Uh, geeky things related to this 50-year anniversary of the explosion of the oxygen tank. And that is a fascinating article on ArsTechnica.com. I'll link to it uh, in the notes on uh, on the Patreon page, um, where new photos have emerged that have never seen, never been seen before. And the reason is that these photos are composites. So uh, a lot of the Apollo flights... Uh, were documented using uh, Hasselblad cameras, uh, very good quality cameras. They took in space and they took they took photos with them. Um, however, not all those photos are very good. Sometimes there was not enough light, so they're a bit grainy. But they took several photos sometimes. Now uh, the, the the same happened with they filmed uh, parts of of the, of what happening of what was happening during the flights. And um, what is so cool is that they rescanned those negative negatives. And just recently they released a couple of very high resolution scans of the material that was shot during the Apollo 13 flight. And then someone, uh, I forgot, who is it? There was a name in this article. Saunders, I think. Saunders, 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 Saunders. Andy Saunders is a property developer and semi-professional photographer who lives in northern England, but he is also an Apollo enthusiast. And he went into those Apollo archives and uh, took those scans from images and films. And what he did was he used modern technology and image uh, technology to superimpose several negatives at once especially if you if you're filming every frame of course is a photo and every photo every frame has its own noise right and noise is random noise is what happens if you if you film with not enough light uh, there there is always this basic noise that gets uh, more prominent the less light there is but the noise is random so every frame has a different noise pattern if you use a number of those frames you put them together and you tell the computer filter out everything that changes from frame to frame it will filter out all the noise and it will keep what what is still you know the the actual signal so this is also something that I use uh, when I have to do audio restoration. Sometimes when I go film, 
there is a lot of background noise. For instance, I'm like in the middle of Rome and you hear the traffic and there, ugh, so much noise. And, and it makes it hard to understand the person that I'm interviewing. What, what I do then is I go to Adobe Edition and I tell Adobe Edition, I, take, I, like, I listen to the interview and as soon as a person is not talking, I just hear the background noise. So you could hear the water of the Tiber and the, the noise of the traffics. And I tell Audition, this is the noise. This is, and I create what is called a noise profile. And then I tell Audition, now look at the entire interview. And what I just showed you was the noise. Filter that out, but leave all the rest. And then all of a sudden you get crystal clear audio because all the other noise has been completely toned down. You can't do it. You can you can't completely remove it because it, it sounds all plasticky. Uh, but you can uh, tremendously improve audio using that technique. Well, the same technique is you can, you can use on this Apollo 13 footage where you isolate the noise. You tell the computer, just look for these patterns, these noise patterns that are different from frame to frame. Filter those out with an algorithm and just give me the signal that remains. And all of a sudden, you get crystal clear, highly detailed images. And so he did that with photos. And it's really incredible what, what he was able to, to pull off. For instance, there is this photo of um, Fred House on the, on the, in the, in the uh, um, lunar module. And he's sleeping. And so they, they filmed him while he was sleeping. The original image, just one frame... It's a 16-millimeter camera, so it's not the best camera either. 16-millimeter frame uh, is pretty blurry, and there's a lot of noise. But he used uh, a number of frames, I think, I don't know, just a couple of these frames, and did image processing, filtering out the noise. And all of a sudden, on the right side, you see this same person, the same exact photo, but all the noise is gone, and it looks super sharp. And... It's like, wow, no one has ever seen this before. He did something also spectacular with the footage of um, the damaged service module. So once the oxygen tank exploded, uh, there, was, there was damage that they couldn't see. They only were able to see what, what the explosion had done once they got rid of the service module. And so they took some pictures or they filmed the module from the window of their, you know, the, the, the module that they were in and so far I think we've, we'd only seen black and white grainy images of that so he, again he, he combined all these different frames and all of a sudden you get a, a full color very detailed version of, of the explosion and you see what the astronauts were seeing and how much had been destroyed by that explosion and it's spectacular really spectacular but of course, it's a composite. There's another photo here on the site of an instrument panel. The original is almost completely black. You can't see a thing. It is There's just not enough light in the cockpit. And so he took all the frames that he had of that panel. And then, of course, because it's film, every frame is slightly different. So he had to tweak every image manually to make sure that it would all be in the same position. And then he did image processing. And all of a sudden, it is as, as if the light was switched on. And you get this very cool photo of the instrument panel that you couldn't see in any of the other frames. It's just by combining all these frames that you see the entire thing. 
It's, it's just amazing, amazing. And the, the coolest thing is actually not from the Apollo 13 mission, but it's from uh, Neil Armstrong, who steps on the moon. Now, we, 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 we all know the blurry images, right, of him, uh, one small step for man, one giant steep for, for man, uh, leap for mankind. That moment, of course, we only have the blurry VHS, you know, videotape footage because even the original is, 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 has been lost. Um, and he was like, well, there are some, some photos, I think, of that first step on the moon where you do, you, you see a little bit of the face of Neil Armstrong. And then there's another photo that shows another part of his face. There's not one photo in which you can see his entire face, face but there are four photos where you see parts of his face. He blended them together, and all of a sudden you see Neil Armstrong stepping on the moon, and you see his face. And it's amazing. It's like it's a combination. So it's not a real photo, but it's based on real elements. And it's, oh, I was like geeking out so much. I've never seen that before. So again, uh, you can see the photos for yourself in the Ars Technica article, which I will uh, post in the show notes that accompany this episode uh, on the Patreon site over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Um, and then there is a second a link that I will include, and that's a super interesting um, interview with um, Jim Lovell, who was the mission commander. And he's been interviewed just now, and he looks back on the explosion and on the rescue mission uh, that NASA had to undertake. As it's a great interview. I think it was on the Today Show, but you can watch it on YouTube. So uh, that will also be included in the show notes. And with that, it is time to move over to another universe, the universe of comic books. Now, you know that I have Marvel Unlimited, which I love, um, but it's just Marvel. You know, it's Marvel and Star Wars, and it's very cool. But sometimes you just want to read something else than just Marvel. Um, the comic book world is much bigger than just superhero no and, and Star Wars-based uh, comic novels. That is why I was very uh, uh, interested and intrigued by an offer that I got uh, because I have an American Amazon account. Um, and I got an offer like click here to get seven days of access to Comixology. So apparently in the United States there is an unlimited version of Comixology, which is owned by Amazon. Uh, it's not the same as Kindle Unlimited, but it's similar. And I think that it may be part actually of a, of of Prime in the United States. I'm not sure. No, probably not. But but it's not that expensive. And then you get unlimited access, just like Marvel Unlimited, to the Comixology uh, uh, directory. So you get thousands and thousands of comics. What I like about Comixology is that they have a much greater variety in comics. They also have that same cool panel-to-panel -panel animation that you get in uh, in Marvel Unlimited. So instead of just looking at one page and then you have to zoom in to see the individual uh, panes of the... Is it pane of pl or plane? I don't know. The individual images of the, of the comic. Um, uh, 
Comixology also has that. Does it even a bit, little bit better than Marvel Unlimited? Because sometimes it's animated. They have these, like, you see a, 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 a scene, and then the speech bubbles appear one by one. It's very cool. Um, and so I w I've been reading, that, and that was, I think, two weeks ago. So we were still at the beginning of this lockdown, the corona lockdown. And I had plenty of time to read comics on comicsology. And I, I came across a Star Trek comic series that was so awesome. It was so awesome. I, I knew that there were Star, Star Trek comics, but I never paid it much attention because, well, it's not canon. In that respect, it's a little bit different from Star Wars. So Star Wars comics do actually... Uh, tie into the overall canon of the story. Um, and now, of course, it's a new canon uh, that is protected by Disney. So the old expanded universe is no longer valid canon. But Star Trek, the, the comics actually don't count. So they're, they're not canonical. And uh, the, the movies can totally disregard them. And, and the, the, so can the, the TV series. So I was like, well, why would I read that? If it's not real, it's funny. <laughs> none, none, none of Star Trek is real, but because it's not canon, I'm not that interested. But I was wrong for, for at least one series that is based on the J.J. Uh, Abrams timeline. So it's kind of a, you know, a divergent timeline from the one that we see in the television series right now. Um, and it features, of course, a new cast of characters from the original series. They're all, they've all been Kirk and Spock. They've all been recast. I like the movies quite a bit. They're not perfect. And I actually really love the TV series, the new TV series, Picard and, and Discovery, much more than I do the movies. But, but still, it's Star Trek. And it is very well produced. Um, and I've always wanted to see more of that crew. And unfortunately, because of all the, I don't know, just, there is something with these Star, Star Trek movies. It always goes wrong. So we, we've, we've had three movies, and now apparently they can't, get a, they can't come to terms with the, the actors that they originally hired because they only had a three-movie contract, I think. And so they've been renegotiating, and they can't get the entire crew together anymore. Ugh, so frustrating. So maybe there won't be a fourth movie. Maybe they're going to do another reboot. I don't know. Uh, and that's a shame because I thought the chemistry of all these characters was great. And then, of course, you also had the um, actor who played the Russian crew member who died uh, because of this unfortunate accident with this uh, self-driving car that crushed him. And ugh, terrible. But that's where the comic books are so interesting because there is a series based on the J.J. Abrams Star Trek version um, featuring comic book versions, of course, of the actors. Um, and what they did, and th this is genius, they went back to the stories of the original Star Trek series and they're retelling them in the J.J. Abrams universe um, with the characters that we know from the J.J. Abrams movies. And it is so well done. Oh, my goodness. Because while they're retelling those stories, and they follow the stories actually quite well of the original series, but they, they do give it a twist. And sometimes they do improve on the story. And it is uh, it's very well drawn. I mean, the, the, it looks so fantastic. And 
it is like you're 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 reading a story that you already know, but it is it has enough of a twist to make it interesting again. And I was so impressed. So I've been working my way through those, and they're actually quite a long series. So they go through a lot of the storylines of the original t- TV series, um, and it it is again it's because of the fresh fresh coat of paint that you rediscover those stories and actually realize that they were pretty cool. The first season of Star Trek, the original series, was very good story-wise. It got downhill in the second season and definitely in the third season, but a lot of these stories are still, I think, worth a reboot. We'll never get to see that, of course, with the actors that they hired for the J.J. Abrams movies because money. But in with the, but the comic book series can do this because apparently they have the the li- they own the likeness of these of these actors, so um, yeah, it's second best. We we will never see this on TV, but you can see it in the, in, in its comic book incarnation. So it's definitely worth it. That would be my tip. Now, after one week, <coughs> my Comicsology All Access subscription stopped, and then I got an email from Comicsology. Click here to have another month of free access to the Comixology catalog. I click on that link, and then it says, Oh, you're in Europe. You're not allowed to get access to uh, Comixology Unlimited. Uh, you have to go and buy your comics at the Comixology EU store. And the European Comixology store does not have an unlimited subscription. So you have to buy every comic book individually at steep prices. They're so expensive. Oh, I was so like, no, why? In this day and age where we've got Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, we have like global premieres. Why is this book world so separate? Why? Why do we all of a sudden create these boundaries where it's all digital? I'm ready to give Amazon money for this. And then I can't just because I live in in Europe. It's just so stupid and so frustrating. So now I'll never get to see the rest of that Star Trek series. And I tried it with VPN and I was like, well, maybe. And, And I can't because you need to have an American credit card. So they do take my money for for regular books, right? I have an American Kindle account. I I buy all my books at the American Kindle account uh, or Kindle store because uh, people give me gift cards for the American Kindle store. And I use those gift cards to pay for the books. And I'm really happy with that. But even though Comixology is owned by Amazon... I cannot pay for my for the Comixology Unlimited subscription with the gift cards because I don't know why. It's so frustrating. So anyway, I think it's stupid because I'm 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 glad I'd, I'd gladly give them my money, but I can't because it's just not available in Europe. Ay 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 ay. Well, that's why I'm talking about it. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. If there is enough interest for an unlimited Comixology subscription in Europe, maybe they'll start to offer it. I get a lot of questions from parish people, colleagues. How do I stream 
to YouTube? How do I stream to Facebook? What equipment do I use? What software do I use? Oftentimes they've already Googled and they found OBS, which is free, open source. The problem with OBS is it is mm, not, not that easy to configure. So um, it, the, the, the advantage is it's cross-platform. So it runs on Linux, it, it runs on Mac OS, and it runs on Windows. But it is kind of hard to use. And it doesn't work with every camera. So in order to hook up, a, uh, let's say, uh, a, a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, you will need, first of all, you'll, you'll need a camera that has a clean HDMI out. And then, so without the menu that is usually projected on top of the image, uh, not every camera has that. So sometimes people have invested in a, an expensive mirrorless camera only to discover that the camera doesn't have clean HDMI out. So it's useless for streaming. You don't want, you know, all sorts of menu items to appear in your, in your live stream. Uh, or if you're, a, I don't know, a gamer, you don't want that stuff to end up in your, in your, uh, um, well, in, 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 the, in your stream. Um, the second thing you need, if you're using um, a, a OBS or a laptop, a Windows laptop, you need a converter that converts the HDMI signal, which I think is analog, converts it to a signal that your laptop can interpret as a as a webcam. Um, a converter like that is a couple of hundred bucks. It's expensive. And it usually only has one HDMI connector. So you can only hook up one camera. Um, if you use a PC to stream, then you'll have to get yourself a capture card. That is also expensive. So, and then if you use a webcam for streaming, that's not very, that's not looking very good. So, it's not as easy to stream using Windows. However, if you have a Mac, or if you're willing to get yourself a Mac, as you can use a second-hand MacBook, and it will work fine, even if it's five years old. Proof is my MacBook Air that I've used for uh, the first few live streams. If you use a Mac. Uh, 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 Mac OS, then you can get a subscription to Ecamm, which is a couple of bucks a month. Um, and then Ecamm, that software, has the ability to interpret interpret any Canon camera as if it was as if it were uh, a USB webcam. It's fantastic software and makes it super easy to to stream using any Canon camera. Um, so it allows you to get really high-grade quality cameras that are not too expensive because, you know, Canon is quite affordable. Even if they don't have a clean HDMI signal, you can still hook it up via USB cable to your Mac and Ecamm will be able to extract a, f a full HD, beautiful, uh, uh, menu-free image. And there is one app on Windows that can do that probably uses the same trick or is, it's kind of a hack. But that app on Windows is like 60 bucks a year or something like this. It's like outrageously expensive. 
It's the, it's the entire price you would pay for eCam. But without streaming, then you still have to use uh, OBS, etc., to stream. Plus, it's a very ugly app, and it's really not well-developed. So, eh. I'd say go for a Mac. Get yourself a MacBook secondhand and use and hook up your Canon cameras with USB. Um, the second thing that eCam can do is it can uh, see Skype. If you Skype with someone... It, it interprets Skype as another camera. So you can you can actually have what the, all the cool TV shows do. You know, we have our man or our woman in, uh, in the Vatican and we're connected live via Skype. You can just get that image from Skype and the audio from Skype and just tell Ecamm, hey, that's a camera. And you can switch between, you can do like a dual... Uh, what is it, dual dual mode where you will be on the one side and your Skype caller will be on the other side. Uh, but you can also do picture-in-picture picture, or you can switch directly to Skype itself because Ecamm, just, it's just another camera for Ecamm. And that is something I've never seen in any other software. Not even uh, OBS can do that, I think. And then the third thing that is super cool is that it can... Uh, it can work together with an app on 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 the phone on the iPhone uh, that will turn your iPhone into a wireless camera. Uh, the app is called Epoch Cam, so E P O C C A M, um, and you install that on your iPhone. It's a paid uh, app. It's a couple of bucks. I mean, it's totally negligible the price, and then you install a free program on your Mac and then you can stream wirelessly over Wi-Fi as long as your Mac and your iPhone are on the same Wi-Fi network you can switch to your iPhone and it will use the camera uh, as, as the camera signal as another camera and eCam can interpret that as an, yet another camera source now I thought I was smart like oh this is going to be so cool for Palm Sunday we're going to have the, the blessing of the palm branches, the, the, the palms, outside in front of the church. And, that, and then we're still, we're still going to be able to do a little procession with the palms to the altar. And I'm going to use this wireless camera because I, I don't have a camera. It's, it's, it's very difficult to do that with real cameras because you, you'll need to have an SDI connector. You can't do that with HDMI because that can only have a certain length. USB even less, uh, because, you know, only a few meters, and then the signal will, will deteriorate too much. But I thought, well, I'm just going to do that with uh, Epoch Cam in conjunction with Ecamm. Little did I know that the Wi-Fi signal was not strong enough to reach all the way to the back of the church. So the priest was already there. Palms were, the doors were open, and I walk to the to the the baskets with the palms, and the camera loses its signal, and the the app even crashes, and so the the image freezes, and I have to run back and uh, use the, the 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 camera from where I from my like the cameras are positioned right in front of the altar for the live streams. I had to zoom in. I saw the priest standing in, in the, the, the door opening, uh, just a silhouette. It, just, uh, it, there was no light there. And I had to film him 
during that entire, and that's a pretty long part of the liturgy where it's the blessing of the palms, it's a prayer, it's the gospel, a little homily, all that from a huge distance. And so my entire plan to use Epoch Cam on my iPhone wirelessly failed because I did not check the Wi-Fi strength in the back of the church. All right, let's talk VR to wrap things up. I have been playing around with the Oculus Quest. I still don't have that cable uh, that allows me to connect it to uh, a PC. Uh, and then you can use the Quest as a, an Oculus Rift, so I can play all the Steam VR games as well. But uh, uh, for some reason, that cable is t totally unavailable and has been unavailable for months. I don't understand because it's run by Facebook. They should have plenty of billions to throw to uh, to the world of VR, but th they don't. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, I'm just playing games that I can get for the Oculus Quest itself, and I have been fishing in VR, and it is so much fun. So this, this game simulates um, professional sports fishing, uh, mostly sweetwater fishing, although they did add some sea uh, locations where you have to go but you first have to earn uh, a, uh, a a boat. Um, so there is a, there is a game element to it where you, you'll get better over time and the more fish you, you capture, the more money you will make and with money you can get better gear and then with the better gear you can, uh, uh, you can cap capture bigger fish um, and it's a lot of fun. What makes this so cool is that the environment environments where you fish are all in South Korea and uh, it, what a beautiful country that is I had no idea and they used um, uh, three-dimensional well not three 360 degree photos of lakes in in South Korea but then they added CGI elements so you will see little boats on the water in the distance um, there's one location where you're fishing and it's dark, it's night, and in the distance you see a city and all of a sudden there are fireworks in the sky. And the fireworks do reflect in the water. They've got a pretty good uh, water simulation that looks very realistic. It's also semi-transparent. Um, so that is, that is very well done. Um, the fishing itself is way easier than in real life. Um, so it does give you a lot of hints. It, you, when, when you first try to capture a fish, you, you put on virtual goggles and all of a sudden you've got some kind of a radar uh, vision. So you see the outlines of the fish that are there and the color of the outline will tell you how hard it is to capture that fish. So if the fish is, has a green outline, then it, it, it is, matches your gear. If the fish is orange it gets a little bit trickier because probably your gear is not strong enough to keep up. And then if the fish is red, then you might as well give up. Um, then, and the more you improve your gear, the, the easier it will get, be to, to get the big fish. The bigger the fish also, the harder they are because they're very strong. So you'll have to kind of let, the, you have to uh, make them tired, which is actually in real life as well. And then once they're pretty exhausted, and so it takes much more time to capture a big fish compared to the smaller fish. Um, 
the more they're tired, the more, the more likely you are to, to capture them. And then you have a virtual homestead, which is kind of the ski hut type of thing. Only it has this massive indoor aquarium. And every time you catch a fish, you can release it in your aquarium, walk up to it, and they'll just swim around there. It is so cool. And because the game is photorealistic, after a while, you totally forget that you are in VR. And it feels as if you've been outside, you've been at that lake. There, there are also The sound is also very cool. It's got this 3D sound uh, with the water, and you hear the birds. And when you capture a fish... You hold it up to in your face, and it's like this this big, wriggly fish in front of you. It is so cool. It is one of the best simulations that I've played so far on the Oculus Quest, and it is surprisingly relaxing. I used to fish when I was a kid, and I'm back there. It is it has the same effect on me. It is so nice and so relaxing. It is really, really. Uh, um, reminiscent of, of what fishing does to your psyche in real life and you know it's a very animal friendly way of of uh, uh, of fishing as well so that was the first uh, app then i i went for a walk and if you follow me on my personal profile on facebook not not all of you do that i did stream a walk using um the app uh wonder so it's called Wonder, W-A-N-D-E-R. It's uh, 10 bucks, I think, or I bought it for 10 bucks. I already had it on the Go, the Oculus Go. Uh, and so I rebought it for the Quest, hoping that it would be better on the Quest. Unfortunately, it's exactly the same app. So it doesn't have the uh, six directions. So normally, and so in, for instance, in the fishing game, if I sit on the floor of my room, in the game, I'm also sitting on the floor, so that gives much more immersion. So you can you can actually move your head towards something, and you, you'll get a close up. It, with the with the Oculus Go, that's not the case. So uh, here too, um, yeah, it doesn't add much to the experience. But I did take my I, I discovered that it was possible to stream from the headset, and so I was streaming uh, a walk through my own neighborhood which was so strange. So all of a sudden, I'm standing there in front of my rectory. I am in the rectory, and yet I'm standing outside of it. And I can look around, and I can tell people. And, and then th 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 the photos uh, are projected around me, the, the Google Earth photos. And they were, they, were, they were taken during the summertime. So you go for a walk, and I was taking people through the, uh, over the same itinerary, uh, following the same itinerary that I normally take when I go to the office to the Tridia office. But then, while I was traveling, all of a sudden, uh, summertime changes into fall because apparently the photos that they used as a reference for that part of the road were, were taken during the fall. And then all of a sudden, I'm back in the summertime. It was so weird, as if I was in a DeLorean time hopping. But it was also, uh, it, it really felt as if I was walking around. Now, the stream quality is not that good. Uh, sometimes the image will break up a little bit, but you can see enough. Um, so I'm, 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 I may do that uh, more often in the future, if you guys like that. Uh, and, we, and you can basically explore any place 
that is featured in Google Earth. I took a walk in China the other day, and it was wonderful, and it feels like I've been there in China. And, of course, on the stream, it's just a 2D video, so it's not as immersive as what I'm experiencing when I'm in this app. Wow, it's still it's still very cool. You can still go for a walk and discover stuff and look around. And I can see the comments that people post on Facebook. They appear in VR right in front of me. It is magic. It feels like I'm on a holodeck. Uh, it's everything I hoped VR to be. And, that's, and I'm doing it and I'm also able to share it through streaming on my personal Facebook page. I can't stream it to my regular Facebook page. So my, my business profile, I can only... Uh, put it up on my on my personal Facebook, but well, it's better than nothing. And then I have an app called Tai Chi, which is also beautiful, beautiful environment. So all of a sudden you're you're standing there on top of a mountain, and you have to follow these these guides, these virtual guides that show you how to move your hands. It's mostly following your hands. Um, so it doesn't really do. It tells you how to move your feet, but it doesn't track them. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm made for Tai Chi because like five seconds later I'm on the floor because I can't keep my balance. But it is still, you know, you hear this music in the background, nature sounds, and it is as if you are standing on the top of a mountain. It's, it's not a game at all. Uh, fishing has a little bit of a game aspect to it. Wonder, definitely not a game. But it's the immersion that does it. And especially now that we're all in lockdown, being able to escape, even if it's just in a virtual world, to me, that's magic. That is as if I'm living on the on the enterprise. And I now that we're all in lockdown, we do get a f- sense of why the enterprise had a holodeck, why, why that was important. Because they too, were, even if the enterprise is a huge ship, it's still a closed environment. And it's very modern and it's suffocating. And the only view that you have from the ready room or from whatever, you know, the bar is just space. The final frontier, but also very boring because it's just blackness and stars. So the holodeck is probably not just a technical like, oh, that's so cool in the future we can have the three-dimensional worlds. But it's probably also a pretty important uh, invention to keep the, to, to, for, for the sanity of those of the crew um so yeah and and we're living in a day and age where we can have something that is very akin to the holodeck and 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 it's pretty affordable definitely more affordable than buying your own enterprise spaceship (laughs) so those were my adventures in vr and then i have one last adventure in real life playing a game that is a board game, and it's called Tang Garden. Uh, it was a Kickstarter project. You actually can still buy it on Kickstarter. Um, it's it's very affordable for such a fun game. It's T A N G Garden, so Tang Garden. In that, this is a board game where you have to build a beautiful garden, and uh, it is tile based. So you you have return. You 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 get to pick a tile, and then. Uh, that tile can be a little koi pond or a, br- a li- one of those Japanese bridges, the red ones, the curved ones, or a rock, a, a number of rocks, or a path. And the way in which you put them on the playing board 
will determine the amount of points that you get. So if you connect a road, you'll get a certain amount of points. If you... Uh, and it, it, you also have characters that are also people in that garden. And the quality of their view determines also the amount of points that you get. But there are little issues there because there is, for instance, there is uh, an empress, uh, but there is also a concubine. And you don't want the concubine to be in the line of sight of the empress because then she'll get jealous and uh, you'll get less points. Um, th there are also... In, uh, so you're slowly, gradually building this garden. And it, it, it has also like three-dimensional trees that you can p position. And if you have like, for instance, five different types of trees, you get an extra bonus. Um, so you can either go for that or you can say, well, I'm just going to go for a very strategic placement of these uh, different tiles. And so the garden grows and grows. The, 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 the board itself is black and white, very boring when you start. And then gradually over time, and this takes about an hour and a half to play, that there is a garden, a three-dimensional garden that, that grows while you're playing this game. It's such a cool concept. And then you also have these horizons that you can position. And so you'll have a little village in the distance. And, and also the, the combination of horizons um, and how, much, how many elements you see before you see the horizon, that all determines your points. It's a little complica complicated to explain, but it is a very cool, relaxed, nice game where it is... You, you build a garden. It's such a unique thing. You don't have to destroy enemies or whatever. But it's and and it's also about you know placing your tiles and your characters in such a way, of course, that you you get the best view. You get the best part of the garden, and you also don't mind hampering one of your rivals that are also trying to get the best view. And uh, so it, there's also this kind of the frustrating element where. Uh, you have this plan, like, oh, I'm going to do this bridge here, and I'm going to place these rocks there, and then I'll have that one tree in that background, and then I'll have a gazillion points. And then right before you're ready to place your final crowning achievement background, the person before you is like, oh, but I'm just going to place my, my little temple there in front of your view, and you won't see anything in it. Like, ah! Oh, I was just about to finish this awesome combination of tiles, and now there's this stupid temple right there in front of me, and I have to start all over again. There's stuff like that. It is a lot of fun. Tang Garden, uh, just look it up on um, uh, uh, on Kickstarter. And uh, this is, uh, a, yeah, I, I, I'd say this is a board game you can play with, with the family. I think it's like four players max but it is a ton of fun. Highly recommended. Ten Garden. And with that, we've come to the end. Oh, I can just play a bumper. Yes! With that, we have come to the end of this first episode of Father Roderick to the Max. Hope you enjoyed it. And for all of you that would love to listen to uh, the future episodes of this show, but you're not a patron, well, you're not going to be able to because this is Patreon only. But there is a simple solution. Just go over to patreon.com slash fatherroderick and start supporting me every month. You will help me make more of these programs, do very cool things. It, there's always going to be a return on investment because I make this stuff for you. But you enable me to, you know, get the equipment and get maybe lights for my green screen so it won't uh, look as 
bad as it looks now from time to time, stuff like that. And in return, you'll get access to uh, to that weekly show, Father Roderick to the Max. And for those of you that are already my patrons, I hope you enjoyed this. I will see you next week. See you later. Have a great time and stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.